This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. The employer um, finally decided to back on the demand for a defined contribution pension plan. And the other one was that the employer uh, finally agreed to do something about pay equity. It's in the form of a study that's going to take uh, up to 19 months. Uh, it'll have a thorough analysis and it'll make a determination of how much more the rural mail carriers are to receive in terms of wages and benefits. And it'll be retroactive to the date of the signing of the collective agreement. From earlier this morning on 680 CJOB, Gord Fisher, National Director for the Prairie Region from the Canadian Union of Postal Workers. Pension's a key issue in solving the dispute between Canada Post and its employees. Evelyn Jacks of the Knowledge Bureau joins us now. Uh, pensions and the way uh, pensions are collected and ultimately doled out. Can you help us understand this? Because it affects all of us. In Canada Post case, they're talking about this defined pension. What are the differences between pension plans, Evelyn? Hi, Richard. Well, um, essentially, first of all, at the outset, it's complicated. Uh, Many people really don't understand um, how their company pension plans work. They break down into a variety of different ways. So, for example, you contribute to the Canada Pension Plan. That's our publicly funded plan. And, of course, going forward, we know there's changes coming up uh, to the premiums you pay there. But if you're lucky enough to also have an employer-sponsored fund um, aside from that, then uh, there are two basic types of funds. There's a a defined contribution, uh, which was previously known as a money purchase fund, or a defined benefit fund. Now, in the private sector, I've seen numbers anywhere from about 12 to 24% of uh, private sector folks have uh, an employer-sponsored fund in general. And of those people, about 52% have the um, better or a plan, the defined benefit plan. But in the public sector, about 87% of people have an employer-sponsored fund, and about 94% of those people have a defined benefit plan. So under a money purchase plan or a defined contribution plan, that's the one that's sort of more risky to the individual because a certain amount of money is basically set aside uh, and it's whatever the market sort of performs over your lifetime, uh, you know, that you're going to end up with in your eventual pension uh, fund. So you bear more of the risk in that case, but, you know, also you bear more of the rewards if the market should. Um, you know, um, perform better than the defined amount that you would get otherwise. Under the defined uh, contribution plan, the advantage certainly is that more of the risk is on the employer. Uh, what you're eventually going to get is based on the years of service that you've had with the employer and the level of earnings. It can also have additional benefits like uh, full or partial indexing, for example. And the way it integrates with the Canada Pension Plan can also make a difference in your eventual payout. Um, in the case of employer-sponsored funds, um, once you have one in the workplace, it's advantageous to later because you can uh, take advantage of pension income splitting earlier than those people who uh, perhaps only have an RSP. In that case, you have to wait until the age of 65 to do pension income splitting. So to break so, down the complications here, Evelyn Jacks of the Knowledge Bureau, is it fair to say that those 
generally who work for government, the risk has been borne on the employer or ultimately the taxpayer. And those in the private sector, they bear a lot more of the risk, the employees. Is that kind of the dividing line here? Absolutely. Although, you know, in the generalization, I would say that employees of the private sector who are lucky enough to have a defined benefit plan, and as I mentioned, that's certainly in the minority, uh, you know, those defined benefit plans will give uh, employees in the private sector similar benefits. So while the generate, you know, I do want to qualify your generalization in that way. In the end, we see this trend moving public sector unions away from the traditional contribution to uh, more of that private sector model. Why is that? Can you help us understand that? Yeah, I mean, it's been a big issue uh, because when you look at the funding of these plans in the future for some governments and also for the private sector, they found them to be unsustainable. Some have written about them and have said it's like writing a blank check into the future. Um, We've seen uh, again and again that uh, provinces have had to um, put cash sort of infusions into these pension plans. So the risk for governments uh, in the future are, are higher under these plans because they come with somewhat of a guarantee. And so the big risk for taxpayers overall, and I guess the question that needs to be asked is, uh, can um, this be sustainable when the folks who are getting the pension plans today uh, retire uh, you know, going forward? And it's particularly concerning um, if our taxpayer base is expected to uh, reduce as baby boomers retire. Uh, There'll be fewer taxpayers who are going to have to fund the social services and the pensions and so forth that we want in the future. So, you know, any decision like this has to really take into account who's going to pay for this in the future. One of the key issues that ultimately solved the postal dispute was uh, a deal that backs off on what Canada Post was hoping for on the big pension issue. Evelyn Jacks is with us from the Knowledge Bureau. Also joining us is Kevin Rebeck. He's president of the Manitoba Federation of Labour. Um, that stickling point, uh, the defined benefit pension plan for newer workers and addressing pay equity. Let's talk about pensions because I think we've had this conversation before. You believe pensions, especially on the public service side, are under all sorts of pressure. You heard what Evelyn Jack said in in setting up generally what's going on. Would you agree with that sense? Well, I think pensions have been under attack uh, to to move them to a DC plan for probably the last 15 years. Uh, I I think just adding to everyone's kind of knowledge about them, uh, you know, Evelyn was pretty good explaining some of the risks and where they are. When the risks are uh, with the employer for a defined benefit plan, when things are really good, when investments are good, employers often take what they call a, a contribution holiday, which means they, they contribute nothing to the pension plan when investments are good. So there is a risk-reward uh, 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 time. Uh, there have been some bad investments in overall uh, for for Canadians, for worldwide, for a, a number of years. Uh, but I think that the trend is changing. And I think this is a sign of that. I think our premiers know that people think defined benefit plans are fair, and they are demonstrating that by working towards an enhancement of CPP, which is a defined benefit plan 
that all workers in Canada have access to. And it's long overdue that we see that kind of increase because after a lifetime of work, people deserve to retire with some dignity and knowing what they can count on for their financial future. We'll see what happens with BC on their uh, CPP because right now that's in a holding pattern. Do you see this Canada Post deal then as a watershed, uh, you know, reversing that trend or at least holding it up for a little while? Well, I think it's certainly a, a good sign of uh, of uh, holding it up and uh, hopefully we can see that change. I think people uh, and young people especially are starting to and need to start thinking about their future when they retire as well and and knowing what they can count on when they retire. They're seeing what happens uh, to their parents when they don't have a reliable pension plan that's predictable for them and they're finding people having to work much longer or not being able to make ends meet when they retire. To Evelyn's point about the sustainability of plans because there is that concern, is there not? Uh, there are concerns with that. Most plans uh, have been figuring out how to do that, and there are uh, a, a different mechanisms to, to manage that. Um, and I think if we see the economy uh, start to turn around, um, that uh, defined benefit plans actually have some, some pretty big benefits for employers when the economy is going well. Evelyn, this is one of those issues, though, that is under the radar uh, until people hit that age where they're starting to think about retirement you know, they, you really should, and you preach this, you should be thinking about your retirement when you're a teenager or at least into your 20s. But is well, this one of those situations where, you know, you hear what Kevin Rebeck is saying, you see, you know, what's going on in the last 15 years, that at some point there is going to be a day of reckoning? Well, I completely agree with Kevin from the point of view that um, when the economy is going well, you know, everybody benefits. It's, it's not a huge concern. Uh, in general, things become funded, and if we have a period of certainty, uh, then uh, th- there is less risk for everyone, uh, regardless of whether you're self-funding or you've got an employer-sponsored fund. The issue is that we're in a period of great change. We're in a period of great demographic change. And uh, uh, because of that great demographic change, uh, the level of taxpayer support going forward, especially over the next several decades, is 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 uncertain because of um, mass retirements. So having said that, we do have to bear in, in mind that all of these pension plans that we're talking about today are taxable. We do have a wonderful plan that will help people enjoy a tax-free um, a portion of their retirement funding, and that's the TFSA, the Tax-Free Savings Account. And so one of the things we like to look at is when you're 18, that's when you can start uh, putting money into that plan as a resident of Canada. And, you know, if you can't afford it, maybe your grandparents can afford it. But funding something like a TFSA um, diversifies your risk, your tax risk later on. So that's a great thing. So our pension system in Canada has several pillars, including uh, employer-sponsored plans, self-funded plans, the CPP, which is going to be enhanced. And the good news is that roughly 80% of Canadians will retire with enough money if they start early enough and take advantage of all of these plans. 
uh, if they understand what their tax liability is going to be later on uh, and if they um, are lucky enough to income split with their spouse. These are all provisions that allow us to have a comfortable uh, retirement today. Um, what we're looking at is, especially the lower income earners, they're going to need some help. And, uh, you know, are we going to be able to fund them? Uh, if they're working, yes. Uh, perhaps they'll have CPP contributions or they'll have an employer-sponsored uh, contribution. Otherwise, we have to have enough in other areas to fund people who don't have enough. So that's the question of the day. If you start early, you will have enough. If you start early and invest even your $5,500 into a TFSA religiously from the time you're 18, you'll have a tax-free pension. So lots of options in Canada. We're really lucky. Kevin, uh, one wonders, though, that, you know, when we all kind of grew up, uh, it would be, you know, one, maybe two jobs in a lifetime, and you'd get that pension. And we know that generation. But our kids are a lot different. Um, you know, they're working three years here, five years there. If they get that full-time job, a lot of them are in a part-time economy. But in the end, the structure of work is is different. You're still working, but you may not be working for the same employer. And I'm wondering if on the pension side, uh, both government pension and, and our own pensions have to reflect that that different working pattern that we're starting to see and whether the, the union movement has looked at that or needs to look at it. Absolutely. And that's why we've, we've been big champions pushing for an expansion of CPP because that's a defined benefit pension plan that follows you wherever you go to work. Uh, people do change their careers a lot more and there is a lot more uh, transferability happening and moving around. And, I, you know, Evelyn hits a number of key points there. Uh, there's a lot of ifs in those statements that if, if all of those things line up, you'll be okay. When CPP was created, it was created on the premise that, well, this should take about a third of what you need when you retire, and pension plans and self-investment will make up the other two-thirds. But those are voluntary things. And when people have uh, minimum wage that are poverty wages or people who are close to it, and they don't have that extra money to put away for their future, or they don't realize that the impact if they don't do it, uh, when those things are all voluntary and left up to the individual, uh, we as taxpayers end up having to subsidize them down the road when they retire and they don't have enough pension income. So that's straight uh, taxpayer subsidies as opposed to figuring out how we do things now to plan for futures and to, to have pension plans that are there, that are predictable, that we know people will have that financial independence in their retirement. Evelyn, last words yours. Well, of course, uh, all of this money comes off the top of your paycheck. And so it leaves you less money to put into other areas to diversify your holdings in retirement. So remember that the more that comes off the top, the less you have to put into a tax-free savings account or to supplement uh, in in other areas. You want to bear that in mind. Remember also that um, if, uh, you, if what we have is a sustainable enterprise, whether in the public sector or the private sector, it's all good. At the end of the day, businesses are reinventing themselves, uh, including uh, Canada Post. And what we hope for is that we can reinvent ourselves in a knowledge economy so that um, all of these enterprises are sustainable in the future. So hopefully the decisions we make today and the commitments we make uh, for employees and employers today ultimately you know, help us grow that economy and be viable into the future.
interesting conversation. I thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Evelyn Jacks of the Knowledge Bureau, Kevin Rebeck of the Manitoba Federation of Labor. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB.